New Zealand's effort to close its gender pay gap has made headways this week, with the government committing to pay transparency legislation in a bid to increase workplace equity and transparency for workers. Through this potential legislation, the government aims to launch a reporting system for businesses and encourage them to release action plans addressing the drivers of the gaps. But Equal Employment Opportunities Commissioner Sao Norma Ali'i Karenina Sumil says it's not enough as Pacific peoples and people of colour will not be considered in this legislation's current form. Rachel Nath spoke with Dr Sumil. Dr. Sumeo, thank you for joining us and congratulations. Uh, Pay transparency legislation could possibly be a reality now. And, you know, I understand it's a big win for women, but not so much for many groups of people that will be excluded, like groups of Maori and Pacific peoples. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I consider it a a first step, let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, the Pacific Pay Inquiry that the New Zealand Human Rights Commission conducted um, has played a huge part in that because what it did was make it so visible to the rest of New Zealand that, you know, we, we don't only have sexism as an issue in our workplaces, which affects uh, people's pay, and that's looking at the difference between men and women, but we also have the issue of bias in terms of racism. Let's use that word because people understand what that is. Mm. And that's certainly a word that Pacific people have used in the Pacific Pay Inquiry. So we can't just address one element um, that leads to uh, pay gaps, offspring sexism. We also rec- we need to recognise bias in terms of ethnicity and race. And mm. that's the missing bit in in that announcement from government. Although they did say, you know, they're beginning to, to look at that, um, to look at that work because the intention is to include that. Hmm. But I guess in terms of the eyes of our people, Pacific people, it means the bus is leaving without us, and that's not right. So we are going to be continuing our call to ensure that ethnicity is captured in that legislation because it doesn't just benefit Pacific, it benefits Singapore and all of our of our brothers and sisters from other parts of the world, you know, hmm. all of our migrants who come here uh, to help our businesses, you know, to find themselves a good life. We all have the same fundamental rights to equality and equity. So we want everybody included in this legislation. So as I said, it's the first step, uh, but we're going to press to make sure that everybody is included and supported at the end of the day. Let's talk about this legislation. So we start mm-hmm. with 900 organisations with over 250 employees that will be required to report their um, gender pay gaps. And, and that's followed yes. by businesses of over 100 workers in four years. And then there's also this uh, voluntary release of action plan for employers, which will be reviewed after three years on whether it would become mandatory. Now, Dr. Sumeo, is this enough? You, on numerous occasions, have said that action for pay transparency is urgent. So do you feel that this potential legislation is really looking promising? Or would you have liked to see perhaps a stronger legislative response from the government? Yeah, we know clearly it's not enough. Right. So if we're only looking at companies that have 250 plus, then we're really looking at the large corporates, you know, the the, the big companies, but so many Pacific and uh, people of color, Tangata Whenua, you know, of all genders, work for small agencies. So if, even if we're looking at uh, businesses 100 plus or more, we're still missing out, you know, around a million workers. So for me, there's no point in having paid transparency legislation that messes out a million workers. What is the point? Again, we will be pushing government to make sure that we, at the end of the day, that we center the legislation 
around our fundamental human rights, which means we all have equal rights to be protected. Now we're three weeks away from House Rising with an election looming. Are you concerned that this potential legislation will not see the light of day? Yes, so that's always been a concern for us. So the team here at the Human Rights Commission have been lobbying all political parties. We certainly invited all the political parties to meet with us. So we can say that we have met with the ACT Party, the National Party, the Labour Party, um, the Greens. Um, so as I said, we have prepared for all scenarios and one of the scenarios that the government may change. A great sign that the two major parties and plus the Greens have, um, have basically signaled their support for this legislation. How does the HRC intend to hold government accountable to this legislative commitment? Absolutely. So going forward, um, post the election, whoever, we, we don't care who gets into Parliament, we want them to do the right thing. You know, one of the good things that our unions have said is please do not politicise this. This is not a political football. We need to do the right thing and it's long overdue for our people, all of our people, men, women, whatever gender, um, whatever religion, we need to do right by all of our people. It should not be a political um, platform. So we will be continuing to keep an eye on government. We will continue to lobby government. We will continue to link with the media so that our people can see that, you know, that we've still got their interests at heart and we're going to do our very, very best to ensure that the legislation comes out and supports the well-being of all of our people. So that's our commitment in terms of the legislation. Um, and certainly as a human rights commissioner, as a Pacific human rights commissioner, as a very...